We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to fight me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in X's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. To another edition of the Rock Pal Report podcast, I am your host, season ticket holder Drew Gear. That's my producer Chris Kruger, and I am coming to you live from the doghouse. That's right, we're recording remotely, and I'm in my basement. Chris, yeah, you hate this, don't you? Oh, I hate it. It's the worst. <laughs> I mean, it's good. Why? It's good that I don't get to look at your face, but I mean. It's better if you were here for the quality of the product and the vibe of the room. It's just me alone in my basement. I don't understand what the problem is with it. Some of my best, some of the best nights I've ever had were just me alone in a basement, <laughs> the fridge full of beer. I don't understand what the problem is. I, uh, it's, it's a. Um, God, how would I put it? It's just like a, a vibe thing. That's all it is. Know, I, it's, it's easier when you're here. Realistically, Chris, this is weird. I mean, I, I, shit on, I shit on you every opportunity I get as DUI. I don't know how guys like Aaron and Greg do this. Like, there's something about being in the same room with you talking shit that makes this thing fun. Yeah. This is weird. Yeah, it is weird, but... You know, your wife got dysentery or malaria or something. and <laughs> What is this, the Oregon Trail? Yeah. <laughs> so we can't. Dysentery. No, my wife got tonsillitis. Uh, one of my kids has strep throat. I'm sure the other one's not far behind. So you do what you got to do, right? Yeah. You know, you're basically a stepdad now. Yeah, to a point, I'm a stepdad, even though I'm, I'm not a 
fan of that term because I, I don't get to in, instill my own views on life on the child. I just have to echo what Jessica says. <laughs> Smart woman. Smart woman. Guys, we are here. We are recapping Wheat 14. Make sure. Okay, I want to get this out there before we get too far into this because we got a lot to cover tonight. But realistically, first and foremost, if you haven't yet donated and you want to get in on the charity donation drive that we are running over, I did, there's a pinned tweet at Rockpile Report. Also, we talked about it at the end in our AFC's Roundup show last week. We are doing a charity drive to support Friends of the Night people. You go to their website, you donate, you make a donation to them. For every $5 you donate, we give you a ticket to a raffle. The prizes include and a football that's been autographed by Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, by Reed Ferguson, uh, autographed Bill's mini helmets. We've got some Bill's Funko Pop uh, figurines, uh, Diggs and an Allen. We're giving away... Tyler Dunn was nice enough to basically to not only donate a copy of his most recent book, Blood and Guts, How Tight Ends Save Football. He's also going to autograph it for whoever wins. There's a lot of there's also some other stuff we're throwing in there. We're going to have some surprise prizes that go out next week, some Montucky swag. There's all kinds of stuff. And the only thing you have to do to get in on that is make a small donation to one of Buffalo's best charities in terms of helping the homeless and the disadvantaged. They have you know, housing services, the health services for the homeless. They operate a soup kitchen. They have a food pantry, mobile food pantries that go out to different communities that might... Buffalo, a lot of the, the shooting that happened over the summer. What came out of that was kind of a broader acknowledgement by people that there are food deserts here in our own city. They go around with trucks and a mobile food pantry and try to service these communities. They do so much. And with how difficult 2022 has been, their fundraising efforts haven't been as robust as they should be. I'm just trying to help them because it's it's a charity that's very personal to me. I enjoy it. I invite you guys to come help me help them and help yourselves in the process. Because, Chris, isn't that what Christmas is like? The, 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 the Christmas holiday is really about that, right? Everyone says the season of giving. Yeah, it's also about the season of getting stuff, isn't it? Yeah, and I can't help with this charity that you chose to help the homeless. You sound like Travis Cole from Dirty Work. <laughs> And all the proceeds go to the homeless. I really think he's got his thumb up that dog's ass. Jesus. Leave it to you to ruin a really, like, heartfelt, warm kind of a thing on a podcast. I love it. And also, next week is our Festivus celebration, right? I need to hear from you guys, the listeners of our podcast. Tweet us at Rockpile Report. Email us, rockpileReport716 at gmail.com. I want to hear your 2022 Bills grievances. I want to know the things that, whether they're the Bills, whether it's just the NFL in general, what is it about this year that pissed you off? The idea of Festivus is that we get all this stuff off of our chests. Chris and I, Chris, do you know that this is going to be year eight? It's insane. That's crazy. We've been doing this for almost a decade. It's a tradition unlike any other. We're going to have Andy Parks in studio. It's going to be a great night. We're going to give away a lot of prizes, but I need to hear from you guys. Let us know. What is it about this team, this league, this year that has really just ground your gears? 
We're going to drink. We're going to discuss. We're going to have a great time. And we're going to get it all out so we can hit 2023 clean slate. I can't wait, guys. Like I said, both of these things are just fun things we like to do, not only to engage with you guys, but also to help some people out. I just, I really love it. Thank you. And a heartfelt thank you to everybody who's already donated. I mean, it's, I think it's going better than I expected it to go. I'll say that. I look forward to giving this stuff away, to being able to ship it out to people. And just knowing that for being an idiot with a beer in his hand, I was able to help some people. That we were able to use this podcast that makes you all laugh to to help some (laughs) rather than just hurting people's feelings. Ah, but without further ado, this is our week 14 recap. The Buffalo Bills 20, the Jets 12. Here's your stats of the game. You've got Mike White and Josh Allen. Now, normally we read off the quarterback stats. Chris, I was stunned at this. Mike White, 27 of 44, 268, no touchdowns, no picks, three sacks, a 78 rating. Josh Allen, 16 of 27, 147. One touchdown, three sacks, an 86.5 rating. Did you have it on your bingo card that Josh Allen was going to throw almost half the yardage of Mike White? Uh, No, but I did believe that it was going to be a rough day based on the weather. Well, you know what a rough day? Mike White under pressure, 3 of 11, 37% completion percentage for 39 yards, three throwaways, two first downs, and four ridiculous-looking hits. I swear to God, could have been outtakes from the longest yard when the team quit on Paul Crew. Like that, that's, that's that, that, that was the everyone talks about the vibes in the building with Mike White as quarterback. You would have known it from the way that offensive line played. You'd think they hated that guy. The Jets rushing the football, 76 total yards, 57 yards after contact, nine missed tackles forced. Cornerback Dane Jackson, a team high, 89 yards allowed in coverage. 18 yards after the catch, which tells you basically everything he gave up was air yards. Bills, two for 13 on offense, their lowest conversion percentage of the season. Wide receivers Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore, 12 of 17, 138 yards, nine first downs. Wilson had 51 yards and four first down conversions against Trey White in coverage. And the Buffalo defensive line, eight run stops, four sacks, four additional quarterback hits, 12 individual quarterback pressures, causing eight hurried passes. Tight end Dawson Knox, four for four of seven, 41 yards and one touchdown, led all Bills skill players in those categories. Chris, it was weird on Sunday. Okay. It was strange because you didn't go to the game. Nope. Potter and Dan drive together now. They don't meet me at my house and we all carpool in. I think it was because of that one season opener where we didn't they didn't ride back with us and they took an Uber. Remember that? No, I remember that. No. No, it's actually because Dan did the math and figured out that where my old house used to be, for them to drive to that place. Like maybe maybe the dynamic could be different now, but it's nice because we can bring more equipment with two trucks instead of one. Yep. But it's for them to drive to my old house and then come to the game, they had to drive past almost like, hey, we're going to drive out of our way to go like going home. We're going to get on the highway. We're going to drive to your house. We're going to get in your car. It basically tacked on an extra 40 minutes to the trip both ways. 
Seems, when you have little legit. kids, that makes sense. Yeah, especially with Dan. Dan's got three. Dan's got three. Like, I have two, and sometimes I feel like I'm drowning. Dan has three. So here I am. I'm alone. I'm driving to the tailgate. I get there, and I got there early. I'm talking like 6.15 because I was really convinced about this idea that, like, oh, my God, you know, I got to get there, preserve our spot. Chris, that place was a fucking ghost town. Oh, there I wasn't bet. Even campers. There was nothing. Yeah, nobody wants to camp out for the Jets. So I get there and I'm just alone in this parking lot. The stadium's all lit up in the distance. And, you know, I get out and I start dragging everything out. And I set the tent up and I get the tables out and the cooler in the middle of it. And I get the tent kind of kicked down and anchored where I like it. And I just stood there for a few minutes and I'm like, wow, it is dead silent right now. There's nobody. There's nobody here. It's just me. Chris, am I stupid for doing this? Like I mean, There was a moment. I had a moment of doubt where I was like, am I the dumb one here? Like, here I am. I'm like, this is really cool that I get here so early in the morning. I get our spot. I lock everything down. I get a chance to really just kind of stretch my legs, let the day kind of just sip my coffee, let the day come to me. I started looking around, and there was a moment of doubt there where I go, am I an idiot? <laughs> you are an idiot, just not in this situation. No, you don't think so? No, but you are dumb. And everyone listening would agree with me. So Potter Dan show up. We set everything up. People start to filter in. Josh, uh, with his grandma, Johanna, he was in town from Cali, and he took your ticket to the game. And it was funny to hear him and Potter going back and forth about being from Rochester, (laughs) just discussing what it was like in the old days. I had a great time. I'm, I'm hoping Josh had a good time coming to the game with us super mexican showed up him and his wife just him and his wife i don't know what they do professionally i just assume that they're spies because they seem to have a ton of air miles they just show up have yeah, you noticed yeah. that yeah, yeah and they live in they live in california so you're flying across country to come to a bills game which is nuts and then even stupider they're hanging out with you Here's what I love. He's only slightly more attractive than me. Slightly. And yet his wife is like, you know what I want to do? I'm not leaving this guy. I'm going to fly across the country in the middle of winter for him. I'm going to leave warm California to go to this Bills game with my ridiculous husband. I always talk about winning the ugly guy Olympics, but I think that I think super Mexican hit the nail on the head. We saw so many people. It was, Chris, it was one of the better tailgates. I mean, I'm sad Iman had to miss it. It, Scott from Ottawa came, Vince from Lackawanna. It was just, again, you're talking about people who we don't get to see and catch up with very often. I get to meet Vince's wife, who, God bless her, she's a great sport. Although, you kind of have to be to hang out with our crew. Scott gave me an Amber Ale that I reviewed at the top of our preview show this week. It was genuinely one of the only Amber Ales that I've ever had that was that drinkable and didn't have any of the bitterness that these, I think, our regional Amber Ales tend to have. And I like the fact that it's brewed specifically for the Ottawa Bills backers. Can we get our own beer? Yeah, we'll have to talk to some people. Or would I have to make that in the garage? You'd pro- you know what? You'd probably have to make it in the garage because based on your ability to, I don't know, I guess <laughs> the, the best way to say it would be insert your dominance. 
You would just show up at the brewery and start telling people what to do as if you're their boss. You don't know how to brew goddamn beer. Just let them do what they do and brew a beer, a rock. What, well, what would even be the name of a rock pile report beer? I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. Guys, call in if you have any ideas. Yeah, let us know your ideas. <laughs> tweet, us, tweet us at Rockpile Report. If there was going to be a Rockpile beer, what do you think it should be called? And what style do you think it should be? IPA, maybe a maybe a Blondale. What about you know, what about this? What about Toothpile Pilsner? <laughs> I hate you. Uh, it was weird being without Iman. I'm not going to lie. I mean, the food, we did we did pretty well. Dan made stir-fry, which was impressive to watch. Pork, pulled pork stir-fry, uh, chicken lo mein, stir-fry vegetables. He even he does the hibachi flip, Chris. Like, he's, he's basically becoming, like, a cut-rate Benihana. <laughs> it's kind of cool to be a part, like, to just see him working over there in the middle of a rainy, slushy mess of a day. Which I it's wild. I didn't think that that was possible. He pulled it off. Everybody loved it. I did a little bit of barbecue that I think came out all right. It wasn't great because I cooked it on that piece of shit grill of mine that I'm eventually just going to throw into the trees at the stadium and leave it there. Mark was going to bring Little Caesars, but his wife, she's not poor mentally. So she kind of put the kibosh on that, which we all applauded. We were all very happy about I still think, that, though, that if, if we're talking about the game watch, not the game itself, the highlight for me was getting to meet Nick, Sophia, and Nikki from Jersey. A family from Jersey who brought their daughters to their very first Bills game. I, I, I'm, I'm in line, and I'm walking around the concourse. You know, I get into the stadium, and I'm walking around the concourse. I'm like, all right, I want to find our seats. I want to show, uh, show Josh where the seats are, and then I got to go to the, find a bathroom, and I'm doing all this stuff, and I'm... My wife sends me a screenshot. She goes, hey, who's who's this broad that's messaging, talking about you on on social media? And I was like, what? What are you talking about? You're crazy. And she starts sending me screenshots. And there's a woman who's tweeting out pictures of her children with a sign about how it's their first Bills game. And they're here. And, whatever. and she goes, oh, we're just really looking. For, we're looking to meet Drew Gear from the Rock Pile Report. Now, Chris, that caught you off guard, didn't it? Yeah, I'm sitting at work. And because, you know, for those that don't know, we have one Twitter account that we share and I'm we got some DMs, some tweets, some photos about a 10 and seven year old child that want to meet you. I don't know of any parent other than these two that let their children listen to us. <laughs> I don't know. Yulberg, Yulberg's kids listen to the show, uh, which which is regrettable sometimes. Uh, it's, well, my favorite was Chris, cause, cause this is the thing. Like I was going to ask you on a scale of one to spinal taps, 11, how shocking it was. But I think you summed it up when in your text, you said I was about to tag. He's like, I was about to quote tweet that and tag CPS and be like, I think there's a problem. Yeah. You're such an idiot. Yeah, well, you know, you know how I <laughs> know. Such an idiot. A horse's ass of the highest regard. You know how I... You were generally happy to meet those people, and you know why that I know that is because there was a photo of you guys on Twitter, and you were showing your teeth. 
That's I how I know it was genuine. You're I didn't give him actively, a fake smile. Yeah, you're actively tooth. showing your teeth. I'm surprised you didn't <laughs> eat those children like Mike Tyson. <laughs> I mean, I get to the seats and Nick was there, greeted me with a hug. It was just, it was a lot of fun knowing that they kind of picked out their seats in hopes of like, hey, we're going to meet, we're going to meet Drew. And they were excited to see this guy that they listened to on podcasts and sitting with them and just getting to talk to him throughout the course of the game. It genuinely was one of the highlights for me because Nick is great. Nick, don't, don't get me wrong. You're a solid dude. I very much appreciate you buying me a beer, but your daughters watching them have a blast not only made me think of my two boys and how much I can't wait for them to be that age so I can take them to games, but also your youngest daughter is fucking hilarious. Chris, this little girl is a savage. She's a savage. She was booing. She was like at one point, okay, after Mike White's second hit, right, (laughs) he gets hit the first time. Was it it the Matt Milano one? No, this is the hit that came afterwards. Remember, he gets knocked down like in the fourth quarter. After he comes back, he gets knocked down again. And they have to come out and attend to him. And she looks at her dad and just goes, he should just stay down. (laughs) Chris, it warmed my cold black heart to see a child just as vicious about this kind of stuff as I am. Were they sitting in our section? (laughs) Yeah, right in front of me. Oh, God. That's impressive <laughs> to be able to get those tickets. Uh, I It really did make the day for me. Nick, you and your family are great. Uh, it's like I told your wife when I was going back and forth with her. You guys are welcome at our tailgate. You're welcome anytime. Next time you're in town, give us a shout. We'll hook up. Maybe we'll do a little dinner. We'll, uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll do something. It was just a lot of fun, and I, I thank you guys for making my day. It was just an epic day at the stadium from start to finish. Now, in terms of the play in the field, well, <laughs> let's get into it, Chris, because it was – if we're going to talk about the offensive side of the football first, because that's probably the least fun, I just broke it down into categories because that's been a lot of fun on this podcast recently. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, first of all, the good, I saw some John Brown involvement. You know, against the Patriots, John Brown was active and he ran 12 routes without a single catcher target. But if you go back and watch the film, he was absolutely open on at least a few of them. Allen either just didn't see him or just had to make a throw so quickly because of pressure or because of play design that he just didn't get to Brown. Now, a lot of people bitched about that. I heard it. They were, oh, nice signing. Oh, he didn't have any catches. Uh, like. But you could see something was there that you could work with if there was a little more thought and practice put into it because he's got the smoke still. Like, John Brown still has some of the smoke. Now, Chris, do you think part of this is because he's been sitting on the couch for the last two months? Probably. When you think, look look what happened to Emmanuel Sanders last year, who inevitably retired because age... Injury history, just he kind of had some nagging injuries down the stretch that I think really kind of soured him on the idea of trying to force his way through another NFL season. John Brown kind of had the same ride out of Buffalo. I think it was an ankle injury, and he just was never okay. I think that was that was 2020. He has this, like, 2019, he has a great year. 2020, the offense takes off. Stephon Diggs becomes the focal point. John Brown falls off. 
2021, he's not here. He's gone because he didn't produce anything down the stretch. Well, some of that's age, some of that's injury, some of it's just fit, some of it's how we're operating. Whatever the case, he he just lost it towards the end of the season. And they decided, hey, we need Emmanuel Sanders. So they go out and they replace John Brown with Emmanuel Sanders, who starts out gangbusters. I think he had four touchdowns in his first six or seven games and then was never seen or heard from again. And down the stretch, it was the same story. An old wide receiver with he slowed down, the nagging injuries. He just wasn't really effective for us in the postseason. And inevitably, our season ended. If we had gone to a I, I think they would have maybe gotten some stuff in for him specifically if we had made it farther in the postseason. But realistically, he ran out of gas. Now what you're doing is you're bringing in a John Brown who hasn't played for anybody all season. So he doesn't have the wear and tear of 13 weeks of football on him. So he's running now like a wide receiver who looks fresh. In this game, Brown only had three snaps, right? He only played three downs. But to start the game, they intentionally got downfield to him. It was like the first possession of the game. It t- takes a shot that if he catches this ball, if not for a – Chris, I don't know. Did you see this play? Did you watch the replay of it, at least? The breakup that Sauce Gardner had on this thing? I did, The one that was like uh, around the uh, goal line? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. That's an amazing play by a really, really good cornerback. If yeah. not, that's it's, if it's not a touchdown, it puts the Bills right on the doorstep, almost right out of the gate of the game. So I just I like this for multiple reasons, right? Because it illustrates that there's still some chemistry there between the wide receiver and quarterback, and that with more time, they could probably rediscover a little bit of that rapport they had before. It tells me that he's still got the juice to get downfield even against a high-end quarterback or cornerback, it puts a shot play on tape that's going to force teams to spend film time just going back and re-watching because they're going to say, oh, oh, fuck, he had this one. They didn't throw it to him again, but now we have to see, was that his only play? What happened last week? Did, were they using him? What did he get open on? Because if they're willing to throw it to him in the first series, maybe they'll do it to us. So now we have to prepare for that. It puts one more thing on the defensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins plate that he now has to worry about going into next week. And it should make both quarterback and, more importantly, offensive coordinator feel a lot better about using play calls like that. Because this is an offense that was supposed to be funneled through, I don't know, underneath stuff this week. It was just, hey, this is the offense. We're going to throw the running backs and tight ends and shallow wide receiver routes. It really struggled to get off the fucking ground. And maybe that's even putting it nicely. So knowing that we were that close to having like the home run ball almost land, maybe it makes their coordinator feel a little bit better that, hey, against a, a less experienced or a, a cornerback with a lower ceiling, maybe we can steal one of these. Maybe John Brown still has it right now for us to kind of exploit another football team. It was one of the better. It was a small piece, but it was something that I really liked out of this game. The bad. Let's talk about that third down completion percentage. Whole the Bills. Your third downs. Woof. Good Lord. The Bills win the game, but they almost didn't. 
And in fact, that offense had better be buying the defense something really shiny for Christmas, or at least a steak dinner because that was gross. The Buffalo Bills posted the lowest third down conversion percentage of any team in the NFL this week. It's their, what, seven straight third down failures in the second half. No conversions. Both of their third down conversions happened in the first half. That almost sounds like a made-up statistic, doesn't it? It does. The, those points they scored were primarily the byproduct. It, like the, the two field goals they got in the second half were mostly just defensive turnovers, like Flacco's hilarious fumble the second Mike White leaves the field. I, I've been thinking about this ever since I watched it happen because I, it wasn't until I got home that I re, and rewatched the game that it dawned on me Mike White hadn't even left the fucking sideline yet and the team had turned the ball over. How demoralizing or like how depressing is that for you? Like, Chris, so you're a forward. You play roller hockey. Yep. I'm stress that. You play roller hockey. Not real hockey. You play roller hockey. I'm pretty good at it. Yeah, the same way Kramer was really good at karate. Like you're you're playing roller hockey. It's not real hockey. It's not real physicality involved. It's oh yeah, just, uh, there's real physicality playing against adults. Do you guys check? You can. You might get a penalty. <laughs> I rest my case. You should come play thirty and over with me this summer. You'd hate it. Not on, not on, not on the same team. I would make sure because it's a draft league. I would make sure don't put me on Drew Gear's team. I'd love to make you look like a traffic cone or one of those buoys that sit in the water. (laughs) Slow wake. So imagine you, you kind of fall, right, and you twist your ankle. And you're going to, you, you got to come off the floor. You're like, ah, I could maybe put, ah, but I'm not gonna, I'm going to get checked out. I'm going to go take a look at it on the bench, whatever. And as you're, so you skate off and the guy who takes over for you just like immediately loses contain guy gets around him on the edge, comes in and scores on your goalie, like loses the slot. Doesn't, <laughs> isn't paying attention to where his man is, lets up a goal. Do you feel a sort of responsibility for that? No, like, not oh, at all. Fuck, I could have and should have been out there. My, no, not at all. Because you expect your other teammates to be good and to fill in, fill in when you're not on the rink. But that so would that, that would 100 percent happen if you were playing on my team and I came off with an ankle injury <laughs> and you hopped on. I know you would give up a goal because you're awful at sports. So it's crazy to me as I'm watching this all happen that the crowd, like, here we are. We're all out there going fucking crazy because Greg Rousseau just for it was one of the more comical fumbles I've seen. Like Greg Rousseau didn't even really try. Joe Flacco held the ball up above his head like like weirdly. And then it just squirted out because he's fucking old and probably has no grip strength left. <clears throat> so the ball comes out. We recover. We're all losing our shit in the stands. And here's Mike White, who's still walking towards the tunnel. So he has to go into the locker room knowing, fuck, the guy behind me just botched everything. Like, it just, it just must give you a sense of not just doubt, but maybe frustration. Like, that's bad. 
But what's worse than feeling like that is the ugly parts of the Bills just day on offense. And I'm going to extend this to special teams for this one. Chris, a fucking safety. <laughs> a safety on a punt? Yeah. I saw, I didn't see that. What are we doing? I did not see that. Was that in our end zone? Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't get to see it. I watched it. I asked somebody at work if they saw it, and they were like, yeah, it came right up the middle. And I'm like, oh, fuck. That, is that on Reed? <laughs> and then I saw the replay, and I'm like, it's not even close. It's like two players down from Reed. Reed wasn't involved. Yeah. Reed didn't blow it, but somebody did. And that's just a mess. Like that system, guys, can there's something that happens to these bills when they get inside their own, like, own, like, I don't even want to call it, like, the 15 yard line. Something happens this year where they just go all thumbs. I don't like it. I really don't like it. Like, on special teams, uh, the, that goal line snap against Minnesota. Like, I've seen some real atrocities this season from my seats in our end zone, and I'm getting real fucking sick of it. Yeah, well, you know what? That's that's what led to the Jets covering, (laughs) right? We told we told everybody if you're going to bet the game, take the Jets. They'll cover. Take the Jets. Take the Jets to cover. That's the hot bet. Is always take the Bills' opponent to cover. What was worse than that was the drops and the lack of execution in the passing game. Like that first miss to Diggs, like that's one that probably haunted him for most of the game until he knew we were going to win. This is an offense that's been lacking explosive plays, and that had the makings of a 70-plus-yard house call. If Allen didn't just, I don't know, uh, like Romo said in the broadcast, he's like, it looks like it just squirted out of his hands. People in the stands were incensed. People lost their minds when Allen missed that throw. It was brutal. Because when you're at the pitch that our seats are, you can see just how open Diggs was. And just, like, that safety was never going to catch him. He was going to catch that thing on the run, blow. He had such an angle that that guy was never going to get him, and it would have been a touchdown on the first drive. And then you go and you punt, and it's like, oh, fuck. Here we go. It's going to be one of those days. Both... Like in the box score and on tape, it's frustrating to think that Mike White was the better passer in this game. Allen didn't make a single one of the quote unquote like special throws that we've grown accustomed to. Well, White was hitting wide receivers down the field for conversions regularly enough that they kept pace with Buffalo and won the time of possession battle by nine minutes. I think what was more frustrating is that it didn't come because of muddy pockets, didn't come because they were pressuring Allen left and right. It was actually the opposite. Allen was only pressured on one-third of his total dropbacks. He was only blitzed seven times. Allen accounted for more first downs when they blitzed than when he didn't, which is a weird, again, it sounds like another one of those things that you just make up for shock value, but that's the reality of this. His legs got us a touchdown, but also him running on third down accounted for a number of three and outs because they were ready and waiting for it. Like that just really like the passing just really wasn't there this day. And you could say that some of it's because they have two good cornerbacks. Okay. Chris, how many other teams in the AFC have good cornerbacks? Or do the Jets, or, or be honest, do you think the Jets have the best that we will see for the rest of the season? 
The Jets got a pretty good duo, but I think it's a mixture of the Jets' ability to play corner and the weather. I mean, I think I I was watching most most of the game that I watched was like the first and second quarter, and I, I did see CBS put up a stat that said like this is the first time since 2016 the first ten drives combined ended in punts. <laughs> well, they were saying that since it would it was almost on the verge of being the first scoreless quarter since like 2019 20 I don't know. They just kept talking about it when I was rewatching on the broadcast. Like, I don't know. It's just it it made me uneasy watching how in that rain, in that weather, their passing attack looked like at least now and again, like it knew what the fuck it was doing more so than ours, which is a problem considering we have an MVP level quarterback and they have Mike White. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And the other one is just fucking Isaiah McKenzie. <laughs> like that's, first of all, your hands. He reminds me of the kid from Little Giants. Like, I can picture him leaving the stadium on Sunday, talking to his hands, walking to his truck, going, guys, I wash you. I cut your nails. I put gloves on you when it's cold out. Why are you doing this to me? And, like, okay, so we had a bad day. He dropped a bunch of balls. And it's not just the number of drops. Because people go, well, drops happen. It's the way he dropped them in critical moments where you looked at it, like that one drop he had where, I mean, yes, the throw was a little behind him, but it hits your hands and he's already thinking about turning up field before securing the ball. He had maybe 20 yards. If he catches that thing, he's got 20 yards of yak with it in his hands after like a seven yard throw. And instead it's just another one that ends up on the fucking turf. I just, I hate it. It, I hate it. It's like not just the lack of execution, but the meat that you left on the bone out there. And then I got to watch the way you handle it after the fact. First of all, he gets all pissed off and he goes on Twitter. He does a weekly podcast with Tyler Dunn um, over at Mr.'s Bar out in East Aurora. He does a weekly live podcast and he usually encourages people to come out and watch it, listen to it, blah, blah, blah. This week, he angrily tweeted out that they were going to have a wet ball catching contest, and he dared anybody to come out and try to catch a wet football. Now, Chris, first of all, do you think you could catch a wet football? 
Yes. I'd give it a try, and I'm not going to lie to you. If I can't catch a wet football, Isaiah McKenzie, it doesn't fucking matter. Do you know why? Because I'm not getting paid a multi-million dollar contract to catch the fucking football when it's wet. That's not my job. <laughs> it's... <laughs> I was about to make a Pulp Fiction reference because I'm just like, it, it, does it say the thing on the door? No, because it's not my job, right? That's not what I do. I don't do that. I don't catch a football. Ergo, I don't make millions of dollars. So do I think I could do it? Probably I'd show up and try. But for you to get angry because the Internet's being mean to you, <laughs> it's like, Chris, doesn't that seem a little thin-skinned? Yeah. It is. And then dur- and then during his podcast with Tyler Dunn, he starts hinting at that he might retire at the end of this season. Now, he's only 27 years old. He's still like didn't he just get an extension this year? I may maybe I don't think he's here for more than this year and maybe next. I, th- I think I think it was this year and next year. Yeah, cuz I remember him talking about how COVID screwed him because 2020 there was like there was no money. So no teams had anything to spend. So he re-signed with the Bills for 2021 on like a cheap deal. And then I think this year they gave him the two-year like a lucrative extension. And now he's talking about, I might retire. Man, I might. You know, I got a lot of stuff going on. It comes across as you being a poor sport. Like, doesn't it? Just yeah. a little bit. Or am I being too critical? You can tell me. Listen, I'm a horse's ass. You can tell me if I'm being too critical. I mean, well, you are too critical. You're overly critical to begin with, so that's nothing that's new. Fair. Don't get me wrong; it wasn't all roses for the Bills' defense either. But by and large, they are the reason that the Buffalo Bills won this football game. And yet, in saying that out loud, I can't bring myself to include Dane Jackson as part of that effort. Look, look at look at the numbers. All four of the Jets' wide receivers had a catch against Jackson. You want to make it worse, all of them had at least one catch of 14 yards or more. Five total first downs were given up by Jackson in coverage, including three of them on third and long. His technique when you watch him play with your own two eyes in person is just sloppy. He did have a nice breakup at the end of the game to help shut the door on the Jets, but holy shit, that was a game. Like That was, that was brutal to try to sit through. Like, if I don't know what that film session must have been like, Chris. Yeah, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for that. It would be awkward. Like, I, you ever see a movie where something so, like, something so bad happens to a person that you as the viewer, even though you, A, know it's not real, and B, it's not happening to you, you still feel like queasy? I feel like that's what rewatching this game film for Dane Jackson would be. Now, maybe the problem is comparison. You know, the, it's on a day when the Jets had the number one and the number 15 rated cornerbacks in the entire NFL on the, like, entire NFL on the field. Dane goes and has that performance. Like, maybe that's why I'm upset. But I think the broader point here is I'm not mad at Dane Jackson. I'm mad at the coaching staff. And it frustrates me that they're just, I don't know, they're not more straightforward regarding what, what the hell is going on with Kyrie Elam. Because first you get the you go back to the New England game, okay? It was it was a weird excuse, you know. Dane plays 
what did they say? I think the way Frazier explained it in the aftermath of the Patriots game, when Elam was a surprise inactive, he said, well, it's about special teams reps. And, you know, Dane Jackson was gonna, was a 50-50. So Xavier Rhodes played because he plays special teams. But then when Dane Jackson did come in, we put him in because now we have all the guys who play special. And I was just like, okay, what if the fuck you have going on? I mean, it's weak. Some of that makes sense. You want to make sure your special teams unit has bodies that can play on it. But after another week of no snaps, this was the explanation. Bill's defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, this according to Joe Biscali on Twitter. Bill's defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, said that they had, had intentions of getting rookie cornerback Kyrie Lim some snaps against the Jets, but decided not to with how they felt Dane Jackson was playing. What? What? Are they watching something different? Who? Do they have a, do they have the wrong Dane Jackson? Like, is there a Dan Jackson out there somewhere? And they're like, oh, Dan Jackson. Oh, God, we've been watching the wrong player this whole fucking time. My father had a saying. It was, don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. Now, Leslie Frazier, you are way too old to be impersonating R. Kelly, and I'm going to need you to knock it the fuck off right now. In a season where you had needs at cornerback, needs at wide receiver, needs at running back, and needs in the offensive line, you prioritized defensive back above all of them when it came to the draft. You took Kyrie Elam. Chris, we've talked about this on this podcast kind of at length, about how we broke it down with Nate Geary, how cornerbacks taken outside of like the top 15 over the last five, six, seven drafts have not panned out well. And there's some philosophy in that. Like you're now what it is is that the guys with bona fide records, bona fide track records of success, things that you know, the sauce gardeners of the world, the guys that you can point to and go, he is going to be an NFL football player. They're already gone. They're taken in the top 10 to 18 picks. So once you get to pick 20 and beyond, all of these guys are just traits. You're just saying, hey, well, the, well, they're a first-round talent because of the athleticism, because of what some traitsy type things that we see with them, and that's what makes them valuable. And those are always dice rolls because they don't have the type of production that you think translates immediately to the NFL. And so with that in mind, like you knew he was going to struggle. You knew he was going to need work. And at no point this season has he looked like an out-and-out liability. But now you've got him riding pine, not getting the reps he needs in order to improve, while wide receivers continue to just cook this guy who you claim is playing so fucking well you couldn't dream of having him on the sidelines. Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills! Hey, Chris, am I, am, am I drunk already? No, no, no. It's irritating as hell. I saw that tweet on Sunday, and I was like, what are you watching? You're definitely not watching what the fan base is watching. And by fan base, I mean fan site at cover one. Dane Jackson played like shit. Oh, God. Speaking of shit. What is that? Fucking Iman. Chris, look at this. Look at what I, I, I wasn't paying attention. I just pulled the closest beer out of my beer fridge down here. What is Molson XL? Yeah. 
I'll tell you what Molson, Molson for, first of all, I blame Bill's helmet bar for this a little bit, but I also, this is Iman Azizi's fault. He came over to my house for Thanksgiving. He shared Thanksgiving with my family and I, and then as he sometimes does, he forgot his cooler with a bunch of beers in it here. So I put him in my beer fridge with the intent to give it back to him. Molson Excel is a lager brewed like you can't get it here in the states it's only available in canada which he gets from his canadian friends so thanks a lot bill's helmet bar uh 0.5 percent alcohol beer how is much is there anything it 0.5 percent alcohol beer is there anything more pointless than a non-alcoholic beer so so is that the 0.5 which is that's less than a breathalyzer test, right? It's, I don't even know that this would show up on a breathalyzer. That's... Oh, Imam, what'd you do to me? What, this is your fault. Boo! <laughs> Look at Iman. He didn't... First, he skips the game. Now he's sabotaging my podcast. Thanks a lot, bud. Ugh. In terms of the rest of the defense, though, winning the football game, the Chris, true or false, the front seven really deserves the biggest round of applause here. They do. For the reason we won the game. Yep. I mean, th- th- you're talking about, a, okay, fresh off a game against the Vikings, the, where you watch the Jets offense thrive and produce some really fantastic plays, whether it's downfield passing, big explosive runs, Everybody thought that this was going to be a much more high-scoring affair than what we got. Part of that's because Minnesota didn't really exploit the Jets' offensive line, despite the fact that they've got a lot of talent there. I mean, Chris, give it a goog when you have a second. Tell me who all the players that the Vikings have in their defensive line. Look it up for me when you have a second. Well, we know one of them. Well, we know Harrison Phillips. I know they have Zadarius Smith, but who else? Because I know that their defensive line is supposed to be one of the better in the NFL. So, like, they really didn't. Minnesota didn't exploit that Jets offensive line, and it allowed White to make the Jets offense look really good in between the 20s. All right, you ready? Here we go. Hit me with it. Uh, Ross Blacklock. James Lynch. Uh, somebody's name I can't pronounce. Not going to pronounce it. Harrison Phillips. Dalvin Tomlinson. Heard of that He's, guy before. Dalvin and Tomlinson's then, a monster. Uh, Tonga. Don't know what his first name is. Not going to give it a shot. Those are all the people on the D-line. Zedarius Smith, are you looking at the defensive? Are you just looking at D-tackles? Zedarius Smith. What did you say? It's a DL is listed oh, on okay. their team website. So they website. might have them listed as edge or linebackers. But either way, they've got Zadarius Smith. They've got, uh, you know what I like to use is our lads. Yeah, they have Zadarius Smith on the official Vikings website listed as an outside linebacker. Of course they do. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what we did with Von Miller. And I mean, Steve Von Tasker. Miller was listed as a linebacker. And Steve Tasker. Fuck you. Boo. Fuck you. <laughs> All right, I deserve that. No, they, so they've got Daniil Hunter, they've got Zadarius Smith, they've got they've got guys, real like bona fide NFL players at those positions. So 
it's interesting that the Vikings really let them kind of go up and down the field. And I think a lot of people thought that that's why this game should have been more high scoring than it was. But I don't know. The Bills front seven, Leslie Frazier had other plans. They held serve throughout the entire first half in large part because they found ways to get the Jets into third and long by controlling the rushing attack and keeping them just from doing any real damage. There was no long rushing plays. They had 76 yards on the day between both running backs. I think uh, Bam Knight had 100 yards by himself against the Vikings. 76 yards as a group, no giant plays downfield. They rally tackled to the ball. And they, I think the big one is eight runs of two or fewer yards in the first two quarters. That's a huge one. Uh, look, I, I look at the, the chart of it. One, two, three, four, five times. Five of those eight was on first down. So on first down, the Jets would line up, go to run the football, and the Bills would stuff them at the line of scrimmage, and it, it was either a loss or it was two yards. <laughs> That's, so now it's second and long. They throw a pass, it doesn't land, now it's third and long, and you get off the football field. And that's how you win a football game where your offense plays as badly as we just ran it down. Both teams scored, the game's tied, and once the Bills went back to take the lead, I don't know if Frazier said something to these guys, I don't know if there was a meeting, but you could see it on the broadcast more than in person. These guys just cut loose and took the fucking gloves off. This is a Jets line. Okay, I'm looking at the stats right now. This is a Jets line that against Minnesota only allowed one sack. What? How many pressures? Nine individual pressures. But no offensive lineman had more than, what, the, Dwayne Brown had three. Lakin Tomlinson had two. A couple guys had two. So, by and large, they had done a great job keeping their quarterback safe. Instead, we just... We opened the floodgates on these guys. 12 pressures, six hurries, three hits, four hits, three sacks. <laughs> it was, a, it was it, there was a viciousness to the play that they were putting out there and the hits that they were laying. First of all, let's talk about that Milano hit. Chris, how many tweet, tweets did you see about how that was dirty? None. No, remember? I didn't see Dolphins any Dolphins fans me. Oh no! Remember we were talking. It's what we were going back and forth with uh, Brett Coleman via DM about. I just sent that to him because that picture looked beautiful. No, and and the thing was, some Dolphins fan tweeted out, "Matt Milano has always been a dirty player. Always has been. Always will be." I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about? What? Because the quarterback got hurt? It's like you're mad." I get it, Dolphins fan. You're angry that, like, to his quote-unquote back injury, insert giant wink here, like, his back injury (laughs) happened because Matt Milano shoved him. He pushed your quarterback who fell like like his shoelaces were tied together. That's not dirty. That's Tua having the balance of my seven-month-old. Like, that's it. Fuck you guys. Don't cry about this. You want to talk about a dirty hit? He didn't lunge. It was one of the most beautiful form tackles I've ever seen because there was no lunging. He just had so much speed and momentum. He, but he, you know what you do? You hit the dummy and you drive. That's what they teach you. You hit and drive. You don't stop. You don't hesitate. You just drive through. That's exactly what he did. He hit that guy like a fucking car. 
Yeah, his textbook. He folded up like a lawn chair. <laughs> and I like the fact that we got contributions from everyone. Literally everybody on the team. Like, if you take a look at just the pass rush stats for the Bills in this one, you're talking about, like, let's see. I'm just going to PFF now to look at it. Pressures. Four from Rousseau. Two from Epinesa. Two from Oliver. Two from Lawson. Two from Daquan Jones. <laughs> like, you, that def- the defensive line starters just ate them alive. Ate them alive. Throw in some tackles for loss. Throw in just, you watched them big boy, the offensive linemen of the Jets. They manhandled them the second we got the lead. It was crazy. And I think the thing that stuck out to me the most was this is the first game where I walked away from it going, A.J. Epinesa can play football. A.J. Epinesa is a real football player. He's He is rapidly ascending. When you look back at him and Shaq Lawson, the two guys who have been tasked the most with covering up for the Von Miller injury, it's surprising because they they responded by playing their best football. So Detroit, Shaq has been ever since Detroit, Shaq's been seeing sixty percent of the snaps. He's been a quote unquote starter, anyway. He's responded by posting a sack. He's got a tackle for loss in every single game. Oh, what is this, like six solo tackles, two quarterback hits, and three tackles for loss. A tackle for loss in every single game. Every single game as you rotate him around, Shaq Lawson's out there making a play. You look at A.J. Epinesa, the guy who I, Paul and Mario from Hashtag Sports, and I still joke about this, I destroyed a draft live stream of theirs because of AJ Epinesa. <laughs> like their whole fan base hates me. And yet I don't care. First of all, I don't care. People, people in my own family tree hate me. I don't care. What do you think I care about what some idiots on the internet think? Although Chris, is that insulting? No. Cause I mean, mostly our listeners are people on the internet. Yes. I'm like, oh, you fucking strangers on the internet. I don't give a fuck what you think. And then it's like, well, wait a minute. Eh, some of those might be our listeners. <laughs> AJ Epinesa, you know, he misses the Detroit game after getting hurt in the Cleveland game. So his first action since the Von Miller loss, New England, the Jets. He's got six solo tackles, two sacks, <laughs> three tackles for loss, multiple quarterback hits, a pass defended, a forced fumble. Like you, both of those players have stepped up, right? Like there was hand wringing. We talked about it last week in that show we did with Bruce. Who is going to answer the bell? Shaq Lawson and AJ Epinesa have. I think they've risen to the occasion to a degree that is, I don't know. I don't, I did, did you expect that from either one of those guys? No. I don't think anyone did. And it's literally like it's the thing driving the train right now for our defense is that our defensive line, even without its most expensive player, is still holding serve. Now, a lot of that has to do with Greg Rousseau. Greg Rousseau is having a season. When people when Jalen Phillips got drafted before him, I was bummed out because I was like, I know Jalen Phillips will become a good pass rusher. I know that. And he's doing that for Miami this year. He has, I think, 55 tackles and eight sacks. Like, he's doing well as a defensive end. At the same time, 
he's not like I don't know. He's 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 susceptible to big plays. He makes mistakes. He doesn't. Greg Rousseau has become the more complete player. And if you look at the 2022, like like just the stat sheet, let me find him on here. Greg Rousseau, bump 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 bump, seven sacks. So would you sacrifice a sack for a guy who is a like I can be kind of your cornerstone defensive end because I'm very good against the run, but I can also sack the quarterback. Would you sacrifice that to not have a little extra speed and a little extra wiggle to his game, Chris? I like those sacks. I mean, them sacks, seven sacks is pretty good. I wish I could just isolate that. Just isolate it and leave it at that. Yeah. (laughs) So the defensive line is really kind of, they won this game by and large for the Buffalo Bills, but there was one player, you know, we can only give away, the hero and zero can only go to two people. And in this one, I had to give the hero of the week and it kills me to do it to tight end Dawson Knox. Here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence, and nobody can hang with my stuff. Uh, you know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. You got a Seagram's over there? No. And that's why I was like, God, Chris is going to be so mad that I'm doing this the day I'm not in studio. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll have one for Christmas. I already, like, I already know. I already knew what I was getting into, but as I'm watching the game, I'm saying to myself, listen, the defensive line, they're great. They're sealing the game, but they're like, they're getting contributions from like 10 different guys. Meanwhile, you turn around and look at the offense. The Jets were hell bent on taking away digs. McKenzie was once again, kind of unreliable. Smoke was trying, but Gardner ruined the best shot he had in impact play. Somebody somewhere needed to step up. And unlike the last game, somebody did. Dawson Knox went out and led the team in targets, which showed you that he was making himself available for Allen. At least enough that Allen was like, okay, that's a guy I can get the ball to. Led the team in catches. He even hit a drop, but he led the team in catches. Made good on his opportunities and made a crazy individual effort to get Buffalo on the scoreboard right before halftime. That flip, there aren't a ton of tight ends. Chris, how many tight ends do you know would catch the ball, get it, be going to the goal line, and either try to just lower their shoulder, go low, and get stopped at the goal line, or maybe try to skirt the hit and try to spin off of it? How many do you know that try, just try to go over the top? Not many. <laughs> That's wild. It's absolutely wild. Also, him being the focal point of an absurd trick play... The fact that that worked, and let's talk about that for a second. The Knox fake. Is that a stroke of genius, kind of born out of desperation? I would know. I didn't see it. Holy shit, you didn't see it? No. All right, let me paint the scene for you. This should be good. What'd you say? This should be good. It's fourth down. (laughs) It's fourth and one. The Bills rally to the line like they're going to go for it. There's motion. So there's a wide receiver. I can't remember who. I don't know if it was McKenzie or Hines, but somebody's motioning across the formation. And then Allen's looking at the sideline, acting like he's confused. Got his hands in the air. Like, I don't, I, I can't hear. 
I'm listening, but I don't understand. And he's doing this juggling motion with his hands while he's talking to the coaches on the sidelines. So the defensive players are watching Allen, but they're also watching the motion. And they're just like, think about how on edge you are on a fourth down stop. You're you're in the clocks winding down, the clocks winding down, the clocks winding down, and all of a sudden Dawson Knox starts motioning across the formation with like five seconds left, and then gets right under center <laughs> and just does a hard count. And CJ Mosley, veteran linebacker CJ Mosley, comes flying over the top of the pile and grabs it. The ball never got snapped. Was this better than the an ball- EJ manual? Way better. This was better than the EJ manual by a mile because the quarterback wasn't anywhere near the ball. It was literally just like, tight ends under center, oh my God. And Mosley was like, well, I'm not going to be the guy to let this happen. They, they saw how aggressive the Jets front seven was playing. And Dorsey had the perfect call. He's like, fine, fuck these linebackers. They think they want to come downhill and be as aggressive as possible. We'll make you pay for it. They had this ridiculous-looking trick play up their sleeves, and Dawson Knox executed it to a T. What I like about that is that it makes me hopeful that there's more things that nobody has ever seen or thought of before that they have up their sleeve. Because that does sound pretty unorthodox, doesn't it? It does. And then there's the zero of the week. And that goes to local journalist Jerry Sullivan. You folks fell on your face. You get an F minus in my book. Chris and I had this planned. Chris, when did you text me about whether or not you should grab the audio from the presser? Well, I t- originally texted you on Sunday that yes. I Jerry Sullivan did something in the press conference, and Alan just went okay, and I text that to you, and then Monday happened. <laughs> well, so so you reached out to me on Sunday, and I was like, you know what? So I went back, I listened to it, and I was like, this guy's a horse's ass. I'm going to roast this guy. And then everything else came. And the problem is that it, now it just feels like a day. It almost, Chris, we've, we can consulted people close to us. Because I was like, am I beating a dead horse now? Because now it's popular to make fun of the guy. Now it's popular to punch down knowing what he did, what he said, knowing what he lost. I just, it's like, it's almost, I don't know. My question was, does it rob some of the authenticity of my frustration with this individual? Because it's not like my frustration was not originally born from a place, (laughs) anything to do with what he said on Monday, but just the audacity of this man when it comes to how he executes his craft in that room. Like, so with that said, Right. Because we're, we're not over here trying to virtue signal. We're not over here trying to say anything. It's literally just we had this thing planned from Jump Street because this guy is a hack. If there's like you, Chris, uh, what's worse being a like obviously being a terrible human being or saying things that are hurtful intentionally and then we're looking like hack, you, but being a hack, that's pretty frustrating, isn't it? It is. It's something that I think we've railed against since we started this podcast. And in that way, I don't feel bad about continuing on with this bit. Now, I will say, let's be fair. I did tweet during the midst of the game, in quotes, what is offense? (laughs) And then with a tilde, just the 2022 Buffalo Bills story. 
I did tweet that in the second half. I think it was after like our fourth failed third down conversion. But what, like, like what I did, what I did, like, that's a snarky tweet. It's something I put out there because I was frustrated in the moment. But was I the dickhead that wandered into a real live NFL press conference to say this? This offense has struggled to find its rhythm for about six games now. Is that a concern for you? No, we're ten and three. You know, find ways to win football games, and um, well, that's not what you want to hear. But um, just playing complimentary, smart football. Um, you know, not putting ourselves and our defense in bad situations, and um, you know, just trying to try and win football games, no matter how it happens. It doesn't look like an offense that's going to be enough to win the Super Bowl right now. Okay. There you go, Jerry Sullivan and Josh Allen. Post-game press conference from Sunday. You can go find the whole thing on buffalobills.com. Now, obviously, Jerry's got a lot of problems right now. He's got a lot of shit that he's sorting through. But my beef, like, the beef that I wanted to address here on this podcast is more of just his hackery. Because it's gone on for a long time, and it's run rampant. And I feel like this was one of those moments that it's like, guys, how much longer are you going to let this asshole do this? Your quarterback clearly has no interest in answering that question because it's not a question. It's, hey, I asked you a question about, hey, this offense and blah, 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 blah. And he says, well, we won. We're struggling, but we're figuring it out as we go. And then he just throws in what is not a question. It's it's basically a statement, right? Like those are two. Chris, I know you're not a literary genius, but there's a difference between a statement and a question. One of them usually ends in a question mark, right? Yeah. Did Jerry's statement there at the end sound like it had a question mark at the end? No, it didn't. He was trying to rile up Josh Allen, and he didn't take so the bait. What? So can you imagine what would happen? You know me. I'm a drunk. I'm a bloviator. You let me loose in a press conference, like in a press room, where I could just get on a microphone and say something inflammatory to a player, to a football team, just because my ego is like, well, I want to say this to him. Like, I don't get to do that. No. But apparently Jerry Sullivan did. (laughs) Apparently that was a thing he was allowed to continue doing. And he has a track record of it. Remember last year? Do you remember last season when after that, after that Monday Night Football game loss to the Patriots? Now this is a loss. This is a bad loss. It's a loss the defense feels like they should have had. You go in there and you just basically poke the bear. You're not asking anything constructive. You kind of antagonize two of your team's not only primary defenders, but also guys who are like the heart of the locker room, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, and force them to walk out of an interview. Chris, when's the last time a Bills player has walked off the set? I have no idea. As long as we've been doing this, I don't think it's happened. I think that that's the only time. So again, who else? who's involved in that? Bill's players and Jerry Sullivan. Then you go all the way back, all the way back to when Sean McDermott was hired. And at the initial press conference where they rolled out Sean McDermott, Sean McDermott met the media for the first time. This is your first as a professional journalist. This is your first interaction with this individual. And you use this opportunity Instead of trying to gain more insight as to his mindset or what he intends to bring to the team or 
what is you know, what do you think of certain circumstances here with your roster or this player or that player? He instead asks like at least three different questions about the Rex Ryan era of football to which Sean McDermott just has to sit there and go, I, I, I can't speak to that. I wasn't here. I wasn't the coach of this football team. He's like, well, you know, Rex Ryan came in. You're saying a lot of great things, too. And he didn't blah, blah, blah. What do you think about that? And he's like, I don't think about that because I'm not Rex Ryan. I'm the guy who just got hired to replace a coach. It's my first coaching gig. For coaching gig. I think I can do it well. I have some reasons to believe I can do it well. If you want to ask me about those, you can ask me about those. So then he has the audacity to follow that up. By going on, uh, Chris, who was it? It was the Bills Beat podcast with uh, Fairburn and Biscalia. Something like that. And he drops this gem on us. Well, I'm not like fans. I walk in here and one of the fans said, Jigster. I kind of like the guy. I mean, you don't even know him. And oh, I kind of like the guy. Sorry, I'm the, I'm, like I'm him, the universal. And you like do him. too. Like, I'm a universal like skeptic. Hey, I'll give you a quick, quick synopsis. 2001, my first year as the Bills full-time columnist, replacing the great Larry Pelzer. A 42-year-old. Defensive coordinator, rising guy with a good resume, had just lost a Super Bowl, comes in, guns blazing, everyone likes him. His name was Greg Williams. Mm -hmm. All right. So I feel like I've come full circle on this. And, you know, I don't really care about his defensive statistics, and they're already being spun more positively than they should be. It's, it's just another Bills coaching hiring that is very uninspiring. And the bigger picture is that he's walking into a bad situation with a weak general manager and a bad salary cap situation, much like Greg Williams walked into and went 3-13 and because Don had, as he would tell you, he was left with a pile of, of you know, big contracts by John, the late John Butler. And that would be the situation if they had done the right thing and hired another general manager instead of Doug Whaley, because he's putting McDermott's walking into a difficult situation. Here's Jerry Sullivan. I think the best part of that was the. Uh, well, I don't really care about his defensive statistics. <laughs> his his defensive statistics are already being overblown. Yeah, they're spun different in a, in a more positive way than they than they need to be. Sean McDermott has had a top 10 defense every year. He's been a head coach in the NFL. Sean McDermott has taken this football team. He broke the drought the same year that Jerry Sullivan talked that shit about him. The fact that he invoked the name Greg Williams and then in his first year broke the playoff drought has proceeded to take the Buffalo Bills to an AFC title game has proceeded to take the Bills to the playoffs almost every single year he has been the fucking head coach. Not only do you not know what the fuck you're looking at anymore, but you're also an asshole about it. It's hack. It's run its course. And it's I, and, and to be honest, Chris, like I know that there's a lot of people celebrating the guy's downfall now today here as they listen to this podcast. I'll say this. It's the hackery that gets me. I understand. Like, Chris, are we a bunch of people who sometimes say some... I don't know. We've talked about this. Like, I get drunk behind a microphone all the time. I've never been a bigot. I've never hurt anybody's feelings intentionally. I've never tried to say something hurtful that everyone else, like, had to look at me and be like, Jesus Christ, Drew, take, to take your foot off the gas. Because that's not who I am. It's just not. 
I mean, it can be. <laughs> there, there are plenty of people who I've intentionally hurt their feelings, but they precipitate, they specifically, that person precipitated that reaction. By and large, it's, it's like we're all here, just we're all here. <laughs> here, we're all living, we're all doing our thing. What bothers me is the hackery that's been allowed to kind of permeate the Bill's journalism community. And it's been Jerry Sullivan this whole time. And it's crazy to me that it took this incident to take him out and not any of the rest of this. Because, Chris, doesn't that seem egregious? Like, you've got a guy in the media who claims he knows what he's looking at, and yet he talks that kind of shit about the head coach who goes on to lead this team to the best. Like, this is a golden era of Bill's football. Like, I'd argue it's it's right up there with what Marv Levy accomplished. Would he have said the same thing about Marv Levy? I don't know. It's just... It all bothers me. I hate that they've allowed this guy to parade himself around as a professional journalist and go out there and basically just stroke his own ego in everybody else's face. I hate it. And so with that said, I probably won't have to worry about it anymore. But nevertheless, he is the biggest loser of the week. He is. That's it. I got nothing more to say on it. Now, Chris, your final thoughts as we walk away from this this win over the Jets. Two divisional wins in a row. Another one closer to Greg Thompson getting a stake from you. That'll be exciting. I just hope you would, uh, when the time comes, that you pay for a stake at the Western Door down at the Buffalo Creek Casino. You really think the Western Door is one of the best stakes in Buffalo? Yes. Now, here's the question, because remember, the last time you suggested this, they were closed still. Yeah. Are they open? They should be. Well, you better vet this before you suggest that I go buying a steak at the Western Door, but I will try it, because listen, meat's meat. I've had every Buffalo Steakhouse there is. I've never had the Western Door. I'm open to trying it. Yeah, if any of you, anybody listening has had the Western Door, tweet at us at Rockpile Report and let Drew know your opinion of the place, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. I guess my final thoughts are this. You you watch this game and you say to yourself, okay, so we just came off a game against the New England Patriots where we were obviously the more impressive offense. Like, that was it. We were just the more impressive offense. Now we just came off a game against the Jets where we were obviously the like our secondary, not Dane Jackson, notwithstanding the more impressive defense. We forced the turnovers. We beat the hell out of your quarterback. We pummeled your running backs in the backfield. We didn't let you get any balance and we didn't. You guys scored seven points on offense the entire game. Like what? Seven and three. No. So 10 points. 10 points in a game where it was your opponent scored 20. I'm sorry, but you're like (laughs) for defense being your calling card. You're not that good. Like we still have that too. So playing in the AFC East, the most competitive division in football. I don't know. I just, I look at that and I go one week, you prove your offense. One week, you prove your defense. Now you're going to go up against who? Like who else scares you? Look at the look at the schedule ahead of you. You're going to get Miami in a snowstorm after they they're going to come limping into Buffalo, which 
you know, we're going to hear Nate Geary and Elf Artiaga spar together about this over the course of our preview show. Chris, is it fun that we're going to get both of those guys together? Yeah, can't wait. I love, look at the Rockpile Report, bringing people together. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. I love that we get to do this. But, but really, my takeaway is that the Bills have proven in back-to-back weeks that their units can be the best. When they're at their best, they are the best in the division still. Regardless of what anybody else can do, when they're at their best, they're better than anything else anyone brings to the table. And we're playing the most competitive division in football. So that should worry everybody else, the Cincinnati's, the Kansas City Chiefs, who already got a chance to see it firsthand, who almost lost to the Broncos. Chris, how the hell did that happen? Uh, you know what? I was listening to a podcast last week, and they had said, take the Broncos to cover. It's insane. To, I don't know what they cover, did. They almost won the fucking game. Yeah. I think they were Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah. He took a shot. Yeah, he did. You know who else took a shot? The Jets. <laughs> White. And I like the fact that Mike White got up after the fact and was like, hey, you know, the, the, no, nothing dirty. That was a, it was good ball. You know, I just got to I got to be smarter. I got to protect myself more. Blah, 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 blah. Isn't that something you learn? Like Alan had to learn it. Yeah. Alan had to learn how not to take those shots. Mike White might. I'm I'm more interested to see what's going to happen with that quarterback race because if Mike White keeps playing like this, I don't know how you ever go back to Zach Wilson, which sucks. <laughs> it sucks for you as a franchise. But either way, there is a headline here are- on Pro Football Talk right now because I just went to Pro Football Talk, and the headline says Zach Wilson. I definitely believe I'm still the Jets' future. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah. And Jerry Sullivan's the future of the Buffalo journalism community. <laughs> All right. On that note, guys, this has been a lot of fun. I've been, I'm over here drinking a Miller Lite in one hand and I got a Molson Excel in the other, like a bottle of water that I'm kind of sipping off of chasing it. Iman, I don't know how, like, you, I, Iman is easy derails a podcast. Like, the, I wish that could be the title. Guys, this has been a lot of fun, but we got to get the hell out of here. Make sure you check out our preview show that's going to have Nate Geary from WGR 550 and Artiaga, who has been a and Dolphins antagonist for a while. We're going to get the two of them together for a grudge match. We've got our AFC's Roundup show coming up. We've got our Festivus show next week. We've got a ton of great content coming up for the month of December. But for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger. This has been your Rockpile Report.